0: Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. Start a new series called "An Excellent Church," and I'm very aware of what the time is, uh, and I will be uh, brief and to the point. The first question I need to ask uh, and explain uh, what is the church, and from the New Testament, uh, there are a number of metaphors on what the church is. Uh, One of them is that uh, it is a bride. It's called the bride of Christ. Uh, and, and so uh, when we look at the definition of what the word uh, bride means or the word church, it's the Greek word, as you can see in that next slide, the Greek word ekklesia, ekklesia. And the question is, is it a building or is it people? Well, clearly from its definition, it is people. You can have a beautiful, beautiful cathedral, but if there are no people, that's a building, that's not a church. Uh, but the word ecclesia means called out people. And so the early church translator, translators uh, of the English Bible uh, mistranslated uh, the word ecclesia using the English word church uh, instead of uh, assembly or congregation. And so if it's uh, in a building but there's no people, that's not church. It can be Uh, stained glass windows, it could be uh, labelled church, it can have the title, uh, but if there are no people, then that is just a building. But if you're travelling down the highway and you can see in the distance uh, where I grew up in Johannesburg, uh, often uh, as you're travelling on the the highway, you'll see in the distance under a tree there are a group of people, 20, 30, 50 people gathering together, not in a building because they cannot afford one, But under a tree for a bit of shade, that is a church. Because essentially what we're talking about here, it's it's a place of Christian worship. It's a religious service. um, uh, And in the world today, it's Christian believers, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in the New Testament times, uh, we could see in that next slide, uh, the word was used to represent a group of people who had assembled together. The word ekklesia comes from two words, ek, which is a preposition to take out, out. And uh, uh, the, the, the other word connected to that ek is the word kaleo, uh, which means called out people. People who are called out to do the things of God. Now, with that in mind, let's read Acts chapter 2, verses 37 to 41. Not when you do certain things, but when you repent. When you repent, when you turn to God. Verse 40, with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. As I mentioned, the New Testament uses this beautiful metaphor of a bride, And Joseph Ulrich, in his book, Lifestyle Evangelism, on page 26, says this, A calling forth of beauty. Carefully take note of the purpose, the product, and the process of Christ's love. The purpose of Christ's love is to call forth beauty without stain or wrinkle. The product of Christ's love is said to be holiness and blamelessness. Holy describes the character of the church Blameless describes her conduct. Christ's love of his bride is the process by which he develops her holy character and blameless conduct. On page 32, he says, How again did the Father send him? Talking about Jesus. Essentially, he became one of us. Kind of John chapter 1, verse 14, uh, God became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt means he came and tabernacled among us. He came and, and put uh, his tent up among us. He didn't book uh, in a foreign hotel, no, but he pitched his tent among us. The word became flesh, it says, God did not send a telegram or shower evangelistic Bible study books from the heaven or drop a million bumper stickers from the sky saying, smile, Jesus loves you. He sent a man, his son, to communicate the message. His strategy has not changed. He still sends men and women, ecclesia, the church. He still sends men and women, you and I who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, before he sends tracts and techniques to change the world. You may think that this strategy is risky, Aldrich says, but that is God's problem, not yours. In other words, God has chosen to grow his kingdom through men and women like you and I who believe in him. And so you see there that there is a a picture of a beautiful bride there. And when you look at some of the, the... Qualities of a bride, you begin to see um, that she radiates from the inside out. Uh, She is stunning. That dress is stunning. Her hairstyle is perfect with 20 cans of whatever the ladies spray on it and not a hair is out of place. Her makeup is perfectly flawless. Her eyes are sparkling. Folk, I've done over 300 weddings, and and I can tell you I've never seen an ugly bride. I've seen different-looking brides, but not an ugly one. And so this this beautiful image and this metaphor that's used in the Scripture, it's used uh, in the Old Testament many, many times of God being the faithful husband and the, the children of Israel being the bride also right until the end in the book of Revelation, where the groom, being Christ, will be united with the bride, the church, and they will be together forever. She looks like a princess. She's elegant. Her smile lightens up the whole room. Her dress is so perfect and immaculate, and it's, it, it suits her 100%. Uh, she's glowing. Her, her beauty is just so uh, infectious. Uh, she is kind of, as some people say, a work of art and, and a, a true vision of beauty. Now, when you look at the bride coming down the aisle, that groom is, is just amazed at how beautiful she is because she's alive, she is attractive. And she is coming with absolute expectation. You see, the church, you and I, are to be this bride. Alive and attractive. Imagine if you're a groom waiting at the front for your bride to come, but she has fallen asleep. And it's kind of fashionably uh, for people to, the bride to come a little bit late kind of go, can't wait, can't wait, can't wait. But if she doesn't pitch up because she fell asleep, that's a really sad occasion. And the sad part is that in many circumstances, there are local groups of congregations where they are a bride, (laughs) but they're fast asleep. And here Jesus is wanting to empower this bride to be alive and well And to be attractive. And this relationship is to be a pure relationship, like a marriage. And it's a permanent relationship. And this relationship with the bride and the groom, the bride being the church, the groom being Jesus Christ, will be forever. It will be forever Read the book of Revelation, it spells it out very, very clearly. When we are united at the very end, we will live together, or we will be together forever, for eternity. And so this relationship can begin here on earth now, so we start looking attractive. I think what is the saddest thing on earth is what I explained earlier, that the bride is fast asleep. Or she has changed her mind or that she doesn't pitch up at all. When we look at the New Testament church in the book of Acts, that church that was born there was a church that was alive and well. And if you look at the characteristics, and we'll deal with each one of those characteristics over the next two months, each one of those characteristics are characteristics of an excellent church. Now the word "excellent" has got a picture of, of a diamond where no matter which way you look at it and when it shines, it's so attractive, because the different shades of it and the light comes through it, it's very attractive. It's beautiful, like a bride. And so here uh, this New Testament church uh, that we read about in Acts chapter two uh, was excellent. You know, it was a bad time uh, for the disciples because here their saviour had been nailed to a cross as, as a criminal, as a murderer. Uh, one of the people that we will uh, read about is, is Peter, and Peter is this absolute uh, strong fisherman, smelly, strong, committed to follow Jesus, but when it came Uh, to the time where he could stand up for Jesus, he denies Jesus, and Jesus warns him. But in John chapter 21, if we rewind a little bit, Jesus comes and reinstates Peter and asks him three times, Peter, do you love me? And and Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you, and different Greek words that are used there. But at the end, we see that Peter turns, and we don't have a full record of, of that particular occasion, where Peter's heart is changed And he goes and he begins to become this bold person for the Lord Jesus Christ and begins to preach uh, about the Lord Jesus Christ and his own experience. And so we ask ourselves the question, what made this church so powerful? What made uh, this church uh, a place that God could use these people what are the marks of, a, of an excellent church? What are these marks of, of this beautiful bride? What are the characteristics of its people? Uh, and so we want to look at those things. And, and how do we see the church today? You see, when the presence, you'll see in a short while, when the presence of the Holy Spirit dwelt among them, they automatically glorified the Lord Jesus Christ. That word presence and glorify is the same Greek word. When It's the word doxa. And when you take the, the, the end of the, that word, the root word doxa, it, it means his very presence. When his presence dwells among them, the presence of the Holy Spirit, there is one response, and that response is to make his name famous, not around here, but to the ends of the earth. And so the Holy Spirit came and dwelt among them, and they were able to glorify and magnify his holy name. Couple of points. Number one, we see that the, the, the bride is born in Acts chapter 2. They were a bit frustrated. Jesus dies, he gets put into a tomb, he's resurrected. And then he dwells among them for another 40 days before he ascends. And he says to them, go and I will send the Holy Spirit to come and dwell upon you. They didn't know what to do. They heard that Jesus was around. He gives them this instruction. And he says to them, go and wait for the Holy Spirit. And they go. And God showers his Holy Spirit on them. And fills them and they overflow. They overflow. There's 120 people in this upper room and they come together and they, with absolute expectation, and the bride, the church, is born. There is uh, the Holy Spirit that falls upon them. They begin to speak in tongues, however you want to interpret that, but they can understand one another. In other words, there is no chaos. But this presence of God is there, and they begin to worship God. They travel to their different countries where they came from, and they begin to say, God was with us. His presence was with us, Doksa, to God be the glory, Dhoxa. His presence was able to be felt, seen, and they go out and glorify His name. And so that's how the church is to be. And Peter comes along and and he says to them, listen, uh, Jesus is among us, basically, and uh, look at him. And it says in chapter 2, verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter says to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Now, folks, that word cut, uh, is a beautiful Greek word. kataniso. It's got to do. They were pierced to their heart in such a way that they became became agitated. They became agitated. They were moved in such a way that they needed to respond to something. They they, they felt um, the. the The piercing, uh, it's as if, you know, somebody makes a crazy statement and we go, oh, that went straight into my heart. It moved them to such a place where they needed to respond. And they say, Peter, what do we do about this? And he says, repent and be baptized. That word repent, metanil, uh, has got to do with change your mind. You were going in one direction, meta after naus, You change your mind and you turn 180 degrees and go in the opposite direction. Repent, change your mind, and start to follow the things of God is what Peter is saying. Respond to Him. Your heart has been pierced. You need to change the way you're going. In other words, there is sorrow, there is remorse, and that sorrow and remorse that's come out of that pierced heart needs to be filled with something else. And God fills them with His Spirit. And what does He do? He fills them not only with His Spirit, but He fills them to overflow. Because the reason for the filling is the overflow. Let me say it one more time before I say it another thousand times over the next few weeks. The reason for the filling is the overflow. You'll be dreaming about that at night when I'm finished. Because when He fills us, it's to overflow overflow. Before we were ex-Christ, we are now in Christ. And he fills us so we can overflow because we have been changed. And he gives us a promise, that promise that we will be with him forever. And that word promise is not kind of the promise that my parents used to to give us as kids. (laughs) You misbehave. I promise you, your life will come to an end. And when there were other English people there, they would say that in Greek. And then we knew the end was near. <laughs> but this is a promise that the presence of God will be with them to the very, very end. And it's a, it's, a, it's a promise of blessing. It's a promise of good. It's a promise that he will dwell with them, his very presence, and they will be able to overflow. Overflow. That empty heart was pierced. Why? Because there was a change of heart. The bride is born. Secondly, the bride discovers real life. She discovers real life. It says in verse 41, Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to that number that day. The word uh, accepted there, those who accepted them, his message, they, they received it from without. They received it from the outside. In other words, they couldn't understand what it all... Uh, that it didn't fully make sense, but they needed to be filled for, into that pierced heart from the outside. They couldn't go to Coles or Woolies and say, can I have, you know, my heart is empty. Can you fill it up with whatever? We'll fill it up. Tim Tams is on that shelf, sir. No. It was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the real life that filled them... Uh, To overflow. And so they became this renewed people, a renewed people uh, that made sense uh, when when Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 3, You must be born again. And that word born again is a terrible translation. You must be born from above. Yenithi anothen, born from above. Remember, Nicodemus says, What do I need to do? Go back into my mother's womb. No, you need to be born from above. In other words, there's this what we call in theology regeneration. There is a change of heart, regeneration. Your heart has been pierced, fill it up with this new stuff, and begin to follow Jesus. Once you were foreigner, now you're part of the family of God. Once you were ex outside the kingdom of God, now you are in the kingdom of God. And that makes a big difference to those who have life. And the word life there kind of has got to do with, it's not just only long years on this earth, but quality of life, life that's characterized by holiness. And so when you begin to see that this bride that was born discovers real life, you begin to see that there is a change. They didn't sign a piece of paper that said, I, you know, kind of belong to a particular congregation. No, their hearts were changed. Their hearts were changed. And they began to uh, accept real life. And they began to appreciate it. You see, joining a church doesn't make you a Christian. A change of heart makes you a Christian. And with a change of heart, there's a change of lifestyle. The reason for the filling is the overflow. There was a change there because they realized what real life is all about. It's the presence of God. Thirdly, and in closing, the bride is baptized. That passage today says that after they repented, after they received this real life, they realized that they needed to be obedient, and that's to be baptized. And baptism, folk, is more than a ceremony it's more than getting a little piece of paper and a certificate, and one day you'll kind of be able to say, "Well, I got baptized." No, it's it's you're doing it in obedience. Because in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, "Gave this command." It's a command uh, that says, "Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit." We know that Jesus Himself was baptized, not not as an infant, but baptized. Uh, by John the Baptist. And, and then Jesus gives us command, and, and Peter says exactly the same on that day of, of Pentecost uh, when, when the bride, the church, is born. And he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. For the sake of time, let me just say this. The baptizer, baptizer, is God. The baptizant, the person being baptized, is whoever is being baptized. But the word in, in, is huge. Those two little letters, in. Because the symbolism behind that, it's not the water, it's the symbolism behind that water. It's got to do with, with uh, the, the symbolism that, that we read about in, in Romans chapter 6, in the first 11 verses, where there is this identification of, with the death of the Lord Jesus Christ as you go down, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not the water, but the symbolism that's the identification with Jesus Christ. And folk, it's not done in secret. It's done in public. In other words, it's a public declaration of inner transformation. Now that my heart has been pierced, And I have remorse and regret. I repent, and it's filled with the Holy Spirit. I now have this new life and want to follow Jesus. And Jesus said I'm to be baptized. And so in obedience to faith, I want to be baptized publicly because there's something going on in this heart. It's been pierced. It's been changed. And so an excellent church is a group of people who have repented, who know the Lord Jesus Christ personally, they have a relationship with him, and they want to follow him even through the waters of baptism. It's a group of people that meet together and want to glorify the name of Jesus. They want to make his name famous because they sense his presence among them. An excellent church is a beautiful bride that is alive, is well, she's awake, and she's attractive. In South Africa, when we saw a bride in a car, when we were in the army, we had to stand at attention and salute because it's a major step. We also had to do that when a hearse comes past, but the honor that you give a bride. The honor that you give a bride. Why? Because it's such a beautiful thing. You go into the park and you're driving and you see a, or you're walking and you see a bride, you, you all stop there. Maria pulls me and she says, wait, look at, oh, she's beautiful, that dress. Look at the colors. I have no idea. Look. Look at her hair. I wish I had hair to look at. Listen, she's stunning. She's attractive. She draws people to her. That, I suggest to you, is the church. An excellent church is very attractive. Not because it's got a good basketball program. No, because the presence of God dwells within them. In that next picture, you'll see a father and a son and I won't read you the story, but the story goes that uh, these three men and this young 12-year-old went fishing up in Alaska. And they had fished, they'd caught a whole lot of fish, and they were about to leave uh, that evening. Unfortunately, the tide had gone out and the airplane uh, was not able to to have water to take off, so they waited until the next morning. Unfortunately, uh, the pontoon that they were resting on had uh, grown a puncture, and it was filled with water. And so when they took off, the plane uh, nearly crashed. And so the father, just in expectation that the plane was going to crash, throughout his son, said a prayer and jumped in, knowing that he will save his son and swim to shore. And fortunately, the son struggled, and so did the father. And the other two men said, come, come, we can make it to shore. The sad part is that they couldn't make it. And they said to him, leave your son, he's going to drown (laughs) Leave him, he's going to drown anyway. Save yourself. And he said, How can I save myself? I love him too much. Well, the New Testament is full of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ that he has for his church, that he even went to the cross. There was another option, but he chose to go to the cross and he knew it from the very beginning. That was his purpose. That was his mission. He came for you and for me. And he demonstrated that love, not by swimming to shore, but by dying for you and for me. He was there till the very end. When we were going down, he was there for us. And he continues to be with us. But friends, not only does he continue to be with us, he wants us to enjoy him. The bride and the groom are to be enjoying one another. In that next picture, and please attend my funeral in the coming week as my wife kills me this week. The bride and the groom are married and they want to Bless one another because they are a blessing. They cannot believe that God dwells with them. His mercy and His grace dwells with the church. And that is such a privilege. He's not abandoned us, put us in a building and abandoned us. He dwells among us and He wants us to enjoy him and glorify his name. It's a mystery, but a great mystery. May we become that excellent church that enjoys the Lord Jesus Christ, that enjoys his very presence, and may we reflect that as we glorify his holy name until he comes again. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that we have the privilege of serving you. Lord, thank you that you call us your bride, even though we are broken. Lord, we pray over the next few weeks we will come before you. We will be beautiful and we will glorify your holy and majestic name. Lord, thank you that you have blessed us to be a blessing. Thank you that you have filled us to overflow. And may your name be made famous here at Lakeside, in the basketball, in the foyer, in every area that we're involved in, and even to the ends of the earth. Go before us, we pray, Lord, and be made famous in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, i find-